It's great to be here this evening. I'm very excited about the opportunity to spend this next couple of weeks with you and speak to you tonight about relationship evangelism as we're going to continue our theme of evangelism. If you weren't here this morning, my name is Nathan and uh, I'm from the Gainesville, Texas area. And so if you're ever in that area, come and visit. And uh, I've got a wife and two daughters there and we'd love to have you anytime. And I'm going to be here for the next couple of weeks, and I'd love to get to know you better, so I'm very excited about it and very uh, enthusiastic about this opportunity. Looking forward very much to the meeting we have coming up. I'm sure it's going to be great, and, and I'm just really excited about it. And so this morning, if you recall, we talked a little bit about evangelism, and it was more of a motivating sermon about uh, the importance that we have of our mission to go out and preach. And are we going to volunteer and say to God, here am I, send me, like Isaiah did. Or are we going to be like Moses and say, send somebody else? And hopefully, you've been encouraged, as we study God's Word together, to have an evangelistic heart, to have an evangelistic mindset, and have a desire to fulfill God's mission as we are His tools in the world, the earthen vessels to go out and spread and carry forth that message. Tonight, we're going to have a little bit of a different perspective on it. We're going to be very practical tonight and talk about one aspect of evangelism and how practically we can do that and that's relationship evangelism we know of course that we have a responsibility to go out and preach matthew chapter 28 19 through 20 says go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i've commanded you and lo i'm with you always even to the end of the age amen we have this mission we have this responsibility but how do we go about it? When we consider how we evangelize, and there's many ways that we can do that. We think about preaching, and we think about studying the Bible, and we think about perhaps community events and outreach projects. And these things are good tools, and they all have their place, but as Brother Richburg, I believe it was, mentioned this morning, one of the best ways that we can evangelize, most, one of the most effective ways, is through the relationships that we have with our family members, our friends, our co-workers, and our neighbors. When you and I have relationships with people, they'll know that we care about them. And they may want to hear what we have to say a lot more than people we don't know, people who are strangers. And so there's several ways that we can evangelize to those who we come in contact to, those who we're close to. We as Christians have a responsibility to be a light we talked about this this morning, to be an ambassador for Christ. Matthew 5, 14-16 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are you fulfilling that mission? Are you being that light to the world around us? If we truly represent Christ... What a change could be in this world and in our community if we'd love people like Jesus loved, if we shed forth our light to the glory of God, not to ourselves, but to His glory. How much can we impact the world around us? Think about what Jesus did. Think about the impact that He had on other people through His compassion, through His love, through His service. What if we were all like that, truly as was mentioned in the prayer, truly disciples of Him, truly representatives of Jesus in the world. 
Galatians 2 and 20 shows us this is exactly what we've been called to do. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In all our interactions, in the way that we treat people, in the way that we speak to people, in the things that we do and the things that we say, are you and I showing Jesus? Are we letting Jesus live through us? If Jesus was here and in our shoes, how would he treat people? If we treated people the way that Christ treated people, then we would make an impact, a major impact. We've been challenged, we've been called as Christians to be his disciples. We have that opportunity to shed forth the light of the glory of God. And every choice that you and I make when we interact with others is a decision whether or not we're going to glorify God. It can glorify God or not. Even in the small interactions. So we talk about relationship evangelism. But in every interaction that we have with other people, we have an opportunity to be evangelistic and spread forth that light. When we go to the store, when we're in line in the fast food restaurant, how do we treat people? How do we, how do we interact with people? A while back, I was uh, doing some work down in the Denton area, and it got to be about supper time, so I went to this pizza place, and I ordered a pizza, and I got the pizza, and... Uh, I got into my car and I opened it up and realized that that was not the pizza that I had ordered. It was a totally different pizza. And so I went back into this pizza place and I said, hey, this is, I ordered this pizza. Here's the receipt. This is the pizza you gave me. This is not the right pizza. Can you please give me the pizza that I ordered? And let me tell you, these people, they'd apologized all over themselves about this pizza order and wanted to cancel my order and wanted to give the money back. And I just said, no, don't worry about that. I just want the pizza that I ordered. And so... They cooked the pizza, and they gave me the one I ordered, and they gave me the one that they had made that was not my order, and I just said, thank you. And they, again, just were so apologetic and said that most people are not patient when situations like that happen. And I tell you that not to brag about how patient I am, but it got me thinking, well, what kind of customers are they having in this pizza place that, that they're so surprised that someone would actually give somebody a little bit of grace because we understand that people make mistakes. And if we show people the grace and the love and the long-suffering, even in these little interactions that Christ showed us, we can shine a part of that light. And we can do our part to be evangelistic. And we don't do it to lift ourselves up. We don't do it to be seen in men. But we do it so God may be glorified. But more than these simple interactions, what opportunities are you taking to reach those who you're close to, those who you know, do you even build the relationships with people in your life that we should? Sometimes we have a tendency to keep to ourselves when it comes to our relationships that we have with other people. We don't even build the relationships so that we are close to people in our life. Our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends. Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that just because we have proximity to someone does not mean that we have a relationship with them. And so you can ask yourself, have I really put forth the effort and energy into building strong relationships with my neighbors, with my coworkers, or have I merely coexisted with them? When I, my wife and I were first married, we lived in a little house, and we had lived in that neighborhood for quite a while, at least about six months or so, and, and we didn't really get to know our neighbors. And we had a next-door neighbor on this side, and we saw them time to time, we said hello. And one day, about six months after we moved in, a car came through the neighborhood and plowed right through our next door neighbor's brick mailbox just smashed it totally to pieces 
And our neighbors weren't at home at the time, and so we came out and kind of saw what happened. And the guy who drove the car, he asked us, he said, hey, I drove through this, this people's mailbox. Do you know who they are? Do you know their name? Do you know their contact information so I can get in contact with them to talk to them about their mailbox? And to our shame, we said, I don't know. We've lived here for six months, and we don't know our next-door neighbors' names. We don't know their phone numbers. We don't know their information. Sometimes we keep to ourselves, and we don't build those relationships. But how many opportunities have we missed when we don't build those relationships with people around us. Now, I know that some folks are more outgoing than others. More peop- some people are introverted. Other people are extroverted. But God told us that we have a light. And we have a responsibility to shine that light and not hide it under a basket. Are you and I doing that in our life, in our interactions, in our relationships with other people? We've tried to learn from this lesson. We moved into a neighborhood that's being built out. Our house was one of the first houses built in the neighborhood. And one of the things that we decided to do was when houses were being built, people moved into the new houses. We're going to bake some cookies. We're going to have a little flyer for the church. We're going to go and we're going to knock on their door. We're going to meet our neighbors. We're going to invite them. We set up a, a neighborhood Facebook page. We were talking about Facebook. Set up a neighborhood Facebook page to, to relay information about the neighborhood and invited them to join that. Taking these little opportunities to get to know people can make a big impact. One of the ways, again, we're talking about practical ways that we can do that, when we have relationships with our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors, to build those relationships is to take a genuine care and interest in the other person. I was working a job in a bank uh, back around the time I first got married again. I got married one time, so again, back when I first got married. So there is this particular coworker in this bank who uh, was kind of a surly person. It was, it was particularly critical and difficult to get along with. And so one day I decided that I was just going to be over the top, over, go out of my way to be nice to this person. So I started talking to them, and I started talking to them about their family and their kids and the relationships they had and the people they were close to. And apparently that was the key to unlock this lady's heart because after that she was a whole lot nicer to me. I think the difference is because I tried to take a genuine care and interest in her and in her life. People usually love it when we care about them, when we make an effort to build those relationships. If you have a friend or co-worker who is struggling with health problem, maybe they have appointments coming up, they have test they have to have run or they have surgeries coming up one good idea is to write down the dates of those tests and put it in your calendar and so whenever that happens you can remember to pray for them how often do we say oh i'll pray for you and then we may do it once or twice but we don't really put a lot of thought into it we don't really follow through with it take a genuine care and interest in other people and you can follow up with them whenever those dates come up And you can ask them how it went, and you can show them that you care. When we do that, it's going to build those relationships. Hospitality is a fantastic way to build relationships. Inviting people over to our homes to enjoy a barbecue or to play games or taking them out to eat. Just spending time with other people is a great way that we can build the relationships so that we can have an opportunity to talk to them about Christ and spread the gospel to them. One good way to build trust with folks is by helping them. 
I'm sure you've all heard the old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When we go out and we do good deeds to other people, not only is it a blessing to them, and not only is it an opportunity for us to be charitable, but it's also an opportunity to open doors to spread the gospel. Think about what people did in the New Testament. Jesus and the apostles went around, they helped people, they healed people, and it opened doors to help them in spiritual matters. And so here's a question you can ask yourself. What are some things that I know that I can do to help people in my life who are in need in order to have opportunities not only to be charitable with them, but also to spread the gospel to them? Are there people in your life who have fallen on hard times? And you can assist them, not only financially, but through prayer, through support, in many different ways, and open up doors that way. What are some ways that I can help my neighbors in order to build those relationships, in order to evangelize? Right now, some food items are expensive. And my wife has a coworker who has laying hens, and so she keeps us well-stocked on eggs, which are very expensive nowadays. And that has led to an opportunity for us to build a stronger relationship with Emily's co-worker. If you have access to eggs or meat or things like that, and you know that someone is struggling, why not help them? And why not let that be an opportunity for you to be charitable and also open the door to help them spiritually? If someone's struggling financially, show up with a meal. Be, be hospitable to them. Find a way to help them. Through social media, we found many opportunities in our community to go out and help people who are in need. There are people out there volunteering, ready to help those who are in need around us. Are you and I taking those opportunities whenever we find them and seeking them out so that we can do good to others? What about being a good example and being a hard worker? God has called us to live lives of holiness. When we go to work, when we go to school, and we do our jobs... He's called us to live a life that's set apart from others. And when we do that, people are going to take notice. Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 23 says, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. We can draw from this the principle of being a hard worker in our employment. Not doing it to please men, but doing it so that we can please God. And not doing it to promote ourselves, so that God, but rather that so that God may be glorified. And when people ask us why, we can tell them humbly that we're a Christian and God expects it of us. So ask yourself, what are some ways that I can demonstrate hard work and excellence in my work environment? When others slack off, do the hard work. Volunteer to do the tasks that people don't want to do. Show up early, stay late, and work hard. People will take notice. When we humbly do what is right, we'll set that good example, and people will recognize that. Sometimes our coworkers and neighbors may engage in things that we know the Christians ought not to do. We think about foul language that we often see in the world around us, and drinking parties, and gossip, and things, all sorts of things that we know that's not right for a Christian to participate in. When we humbly refrain from those things, not to be braggadocious, not to lift ourselves up, but because it's what we've been called to do. When we live lives of holiness, people will notice. And people will take note. As Ephesians 5, 3-8 says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. 
For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. When we walk as children of the light, it's going to be obvious and people will see that and people will recognize it. And whenever they come to a time of spiritual crisis, who are they going to turn to? Are they going to turn to the people living an unholy life? Or are they going to turn to the person who's trying to serve God? The person who's walking as children of the light? Are you and I living that way? It's an opportunity. It's a way to spread the gospel and spread that light. Do your coworkers know that you're a Christian, that you try to follow Christ? It should be obvious by the way that we live our life, the things that we do, the things that we say, the way that we speak. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. People recognize the way that we live our life, and people recognize the way that we speak. And oftentimes, church and spiritual matters come up in the course of conversation with coworkers, neighbors, and friends. When those situations occur, it can be a great opportunity for us to tactfully steer the conversation, influence them in order to promote evangelism. And when you discuss the church, when you discuss Christ, speak positively of it. Be ready at all times to share your faith and talk to others about church, but don't complain about church. Don't complain about your leadership to people outside the church. Don't complain about your fellow members of your congregation. Look for opportunities to speak positively and bring up those spiritual things. One good suggestion is to always have a Bible present and visible with you at your workspace. It is an opportunity to bring up spiritual matters. Pray for wisdom and courage to take advantage of the opportunities you have to discuss your faith with others. There's all sorts of these practical things we can do to help spread that gospel, to help build those relationships, to tell others about Jesus. One of the great ways we can do that once we've built these relationships is to invite them to church. Inviting your neighbors and co-workers to church is a simple and straightforward and effective way to plant the seeds of evangelism. Whenever spiritual matters come up and we have these conversations with folks, it's a great opportunity to invite them. I want to challenge you, encourage everyone here, always have something ready to hand somebody, some kind of physical thing. Maybe it's a, a meeting flyer, or maybe it's a, a little business card that you carry in your wallet. You can always have something that has the name of the church, the assembly times, the contact information. Always be ready to give that to people in your life and invite them to church. Maybe you have friends and neighbors who are members of a denomination and they have, you've invited them to church in the past and, and they said, well, I go to church here on Sunday. Well, you know what? We've got a meeting coming up in one week and we're going to meet not just on Sundays but every night. You can tell them, we meet every night. You can come and you can hear the gospel. It's a great blessing, a great opportunity to invite people to church. Long time ago, back before, way before I was born, my great-grandfather was out fishing and a neighbor who, who's still in the church today, actually, but this was a long time ago, he, uh, there was a visiting preacher that came through and he asked the visiting preacher to go and to speak to him. And so he did, and he found him, and he was out fishing, and he invited my great-grandfather to a camp meeting. 
And he went, and he was baptized. And that's how that side of the family became a part of the church. And I'm sure grateful that someone cared enough about my great-grandfather to invite him to church. And it's led to a lot of great blessings. What about you? What about you? I'm looking, I'm pointing this way, I'm looking this way. It may be that someday, generations down the line, someone may be thankful that you took the time to invite their great-grandfather or their great-grandmother to church because you cared about them and you cared about their soul. What a great blessing. What a great opportunity. We talked about how valuable the soul is to God. How valuable the soul is that everyone has. Do we let those opportunities slip? And if we do, then why? And what are we going to do in the future from now on? Who knows what impact you can have on future generations. But don't just wait for these gospel meetings. Always be ready to invite people to church. Ask them. Here's another practical tip. You can ask people what their plans are for the weekend. And they can tell you their plans. Then maybe they'll just ask you what your plans are for the weekend. And you can bring up the fact that you're going to church on Sunday. And invite them to come along. There's all sorts of ways that we can influence people and encourage them to think about spiritual matters. Inviting our coworkers and neighbors to study is another great opportunity. And if they know that you're a Christian, it shouldn't be surprising to them that you're interested in studying the Bible. Now, I know this can be intimidating sometimes to ask folks to, to do a Bible study with you. But it's often easy just to ask. And the worst that can happen, we talked a little bit this morning about that rejection. And that's really not that bad. We think about what Paul endured. He said it was his light affliction. It was much worse than what we endure. And there's all sorts of reasons why, because of our love for God, it's worth it. Because even if we face that rejection, it's worth it to fulfill that mission. And we might just get an answer that, that's positive. We might just get a yes. You might be surprised how often that happens. People are willing to study the Bible a lot of times. At least they'll say they are. Then, once they agree to it, it's a great idea to nail them down to a specific time and date that you're going to study with them. It's very easy to say, okay, I'll study, and then it never happens. But if you, set them, uh, you nail them down to a time and date, then they can do it, and then you have an opportunity. But it's very easy to ask someone to study the Bible. Look at the example of the Ethiopian eunuch. I know this is a small text. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him uh, reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down to the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized them. 
And when he, they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, I want you to think about this. We talk about this, this story, and, and there's lots of lessons we can learn from it. Think about this little interaction they had. The eunuch didn't know Philip. Philip didn't know the eunuch. The eunuch was reading from the Bible out loud, and Philip came to him and simply asked him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And so he found the passage that he was reading, and he asked him a question about it. And Philip answered the question, and they continued to study. And he preached to him about Jesus. He preached the gospel to them, and he was baptized. It's apparently the first time they'd ever met each other. It's simple and straightforward, and there are many opportunities that we can do the same thing if we'll simply be willing to ask people to study God's Word with us. Maybe you don't feel comfortable leading a study. There are many who are. You can ask them to come along with you to study with people. But ask yourself, how many opportunities am I missing because I'm too afraid just to ask people to study the Bible? Is there someone I know who I know needs the, the gospel and who I can ask to study the Bible with? In this age of internet, there's so many ways that we can do that too. We can have these Bible apps. We can join reading plans. We can ask people to read with us and discuss those things. We can do it over the internet through, through Zoom or some of these video conferencing sites. We can do it by correspondence or in person. And that's really a lot of times the best way to do it. But there are so many opportunities. Why are there so many excuses? Let's not make any excuses. Let's Follow through with the mission that God has left for each one of us. We have a great opportunity. We're stuffing bags tonight. We're passing out flyers. We're going to be making visits all week long. Tell your friends and coworkers, and neighbors about the joy that you have in your salvation in Christ. About the hope that you have in your eternal destination. The destination of your soul. About the meeting that we have coming up. And the opportunity we have to enjoy great gospel preaching to enjoy fellowship with one another and singing and the blessings of being a part of the family of God and admonishing and edifying one another. Be excited about it, first of all, yourself. I'm excited about it. I want to be more excited about it because when we think more and more about it, what a great blessing it is. And then tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your coworkers, invite them, take advantage of those opportunities. Look out for the opportunities you have in your life. And when they arise, don't say to God, send somebody else. Say, here am I. Send me. Stand in the gap. And if you've not taken advantage of those opportunities, why not? And what are you going to do from now on? What are you going to do practically in your life? We've given you many practical ways to do that. And there's many more. And there's lots of things we can tell you about. I encourage you to take advantage of those opportunities. Go out and seek the lost. That's our responsibility. Are you doing that in your life? And are you going to from now on if you haven't? As we conclude this evening, we again offer you an invitation. Maybe you feel like you haven't taken advantage of the opportunities you have to spread the gospel like you need to. We can pray with you and for you. We can encourage you to help give you that strength and courage that you need. Or you're not a part of the, the body of Christ. You haven't accepted the gospel and haven't had your sins washed away by the shed blood of Christ. What a great opportunity you have to have a hope of a home in heaven, to have your eternity secured, to join a family of Christians who love you and care for you and have a God who loves and cares for you who will be your father. 
for all eternity. And whose, uh, his right hand is joy forevermore. And if you want to receive that, we can help you do that if you haven't already. So we offer that invitation. You want the prayers of the church or you want to become a Christian, come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.